Fucking fuck. fuck. Alright guys, um, I'm actually getting tired of fucking fuck. I, I want to do more, like, you know, it's like, I have blue balls from fucking fuck, you know? <laughs> like, I want more than that now, you know? It's, it's like I'm being teased by, by this intro. Yeah? Um, what, what do you think you'd want? I think uh, it's, up to the, it's up to the listener's imagination. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so guys, I got fucked over by Maz. I think I'm going to break up with Maz. I'm sorry, Maz, it's not you, it's me. No, actually, it is you. <laughs> Fuck you. But it's, is it me or is it you? No, it's definitely you. It's definitely you. Fucking fuck. Let's go. Go and do meditation. Go and do meditation. I was like, I was like, man, she wanted to sit down. Masturbation. Anything you want to do, you can. <laughs> be a professor. Wink, wink. Clearly, you spent too much time on the <laughs> <laughs> Bro, so I went to Vipassana. I said at the end of the last episode that I was going to go to Vipassana. Yeah, and, and which is that 10-day silent retreat meditation. 10-day silent retreat. So, first things first. Bro, it's so fucking culty. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so fucking culty. <laughs> Bro, we've spoken about this before. We are all living in a cult. Yeah, but the you... society cult, the university no. cult, university is a cult. We, can't... we had this chat before. No, we we, we have had this chat, but there's so much restrictions. So let, let me give some context. Yeah, so context for the listeners. You go to this thing. Yeah, first thing they tell you is this ten day retreat is like surgery on your mind and your soul or whatever, and. When you're in the middle of a surgery, the surgeon's not just going to let you get up and leave. So yeah. there's like a lot of emphasis on you can't fucking leave. You shouldn't leave, yeah. You shouldn't leave, but they don't make it feel like you shouldn't leave. It's more like, at least I the mean, vibes I got is like, you can't leave unless like, it's rude, like... You did leave, so you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined the story. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so... um. Then you wake up first day, so you wake up at 4 a.m., uh-huh. which this is the thing, man. I was telling Masters before, I was like, bro, I've been traveling for like months, I'm tired, and I don't know if I'm physically and mentally prepared for the exhaustion of this. And what did you say when I said that? I said, you just do it. No, that's <laughs> not what he said, that's not what he said. Look, it, 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 I, what is that? I think I said... You're sitting or lying down. Yeah. You're not doing exhausting work. You're yeah. not like going to the gym doing workout. Like physically, it's not exhausting. It can be exhausting in other ways. But physically, you said but it's not physically, it's just sitting down and walking. I get that. However, can I just say something? Yeah. Waking up at 4 a.m. is fucking hard when I've been months of partying, but staying you, up to if you three. Go to bed, if you go to bed at 9, 8, 9 p.m., which is what happens there, 9 to 9.30, mm. then waking up at 4 isn't that bad. You're, still, you're getting 10, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. You're getting 7 hours. Is 7 hours not enough for you? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Look, 7 hours, it was okay, but I was still tired. Yeah. Morning meditations, I just fell asleep because I was uh-huh. just tired. And look, I have fallen asleep sometimes. In the meditations. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It happens. Nothing, nothing wrong anyway, with it. Anyway, so, so that's one thing. Second thing was, 
it's like it's fucking hard sitting cross-legged, man. Mm-hmm. Like you go through, and you said it's not physically challenging. I would say it's pretty physically challenging mm-hmm. sitting mm-hmm. cross-legged. So there is a level of physical pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's other options that you can try. Did you try? Did you try the? Um, Bro, I tried everything. The kneeling. I tried one? the kneeling one. Is still the uncomfortable. Is, what, is the one I usually. And the thing that pissed me off was, I. Um, I requested a chair. So you said that if you request a chair, they give you a chair. Mm-hmm. And I asked for a chair. And then when, when I went to the first meditation practice, my name was on a fucking cushion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, where's my chair? Mm-hmm. So did, just, did you tell them? No, that? so I did. So I had, to, I had to sit down through that one. Uh-huh. And then after I went to the manager, the guy there, I was like, hey, I requested a chair. I've got back problems. And he said that you need to have a meeting with the assistant monk. Mm-hmm. Assistant teacher, yeah. assistant teacher, yeah, to get a chair. Chair, yeah. So then the next morning, I had to still sit cross-legged, and I had a lot of back pain and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to the assistant mark, and he's like, um, "He's like, I don't want to give you a chair. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll give you a backrest and see how that goes." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "How come?" And he said, "When people come to Vipassana, the first thing they notice is the physical discomfort, mm-hmm. and they tend to avoid it." But in this practice, you're supposed to sit with the discomfort and blah, blah. Mm-hmm, so try mm-hmm. back, rest, see how you go. Mm-hmm. So anyway, for the first day, I was just pissed off. Yeah. I was pissed off at Masswood. I was pissed <laughs> off at this fucking this institution. Uh-huh. And I was pissed off that I had to wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah, anyway, so fuck you. Um, <laughs> That's the official... Um, Request for a breakup. <laughs> Pretty much. It's an official request. So then the, then the next thing was that once I got into like more of the deep meditation, I I was like really, really physically triggered. Like after my first meditation, I kind of had like a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And when I got up, like I had full like numbness in my body, shortness of breath, you know, difficulty swallowing, lightheadedness. Mm-hmm. And anyway, long story short, I don't want to go into it too much, but the environment was very triggering for some of the childhood traumas that I had. Um, And it's like, I didn't even know these things were still there. Mm -hmm. Like when I was meditating, I had some visuals, flashbacks that like, I didn't even remember that shit. Like I genuinely didn't remember that shit. You did remember it in your subconscious and unconscious and it was directing your life. Yeah. You just didn't consciously remember it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Um, So anyway... So you know know when they said it's a surgery? It is a surgery. Like they they were cutting open your unconscious and subconscious and this is the stuff that was like boiling there and it just comes to the surface. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not um, denying that the strategy works. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, I, I didn't like the approach. Yeah, I, I didn't like how it was too brute force. It was too brute force and militant. Like, like I'm a strong believer of dealing with trauma. Yeah, mm-hmm. dealing with dealing with the traumas that shape your subconscious and shape the decisions that you make. How you interact with it. How you interact with the world. Yeah. But I am a strong believer of there needs to be an element of safety, mm-hmm. you know, because if you feel in fight or flight again, it's you're just, just becoming be re-traumatized. Yeah. You're not actually integrating anything. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to activate those traumas, which is great. And that's what the meditation practice did, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then you need someone to hold your hand 
and mm. say it's okay this time you're safe mm-hmm. now let's integrate this and make mm-hmm. sense of it mm-hmm. but to just relive the trauma through brute force mm-hmm. I, I and look it, it worked like I'm now it's been a few weeks later I've taken a lot of things from that experience but mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone mm-hmm. so yeah, that's it so um yeah that's interesting so three weeks later and uh, you've integrated some stuff and you've because uh, we talked about this beforehand as well and you said like it's um, had a net positive now now, now it's that, had positive. now it has had yeah like but I had to do a lot to make that to turn the frown upside down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a lot of work to try and make sense of it and try and and it could very easily have just been a re-traumatizing event yeah. like it was like all of my understanding of psychology of um you know self-help mm-hmm. having good friends and network around me having a therapist that's accessible but it was very very like it was a dangerous game to play mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's why i'm like and that's why initially I started with um, blaming Masud. Because <laughs> I was like, the way he said it, like I knew it was going to be hard, but like this was more than just hard. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, to me, it sounds like it was particularly hard for you because it, um, the context really activated some specific like was it a specific context mm. that activated specific trauma that you have mm. I mean those um, not everyone has those specific traumas that get triggered by the context yeah, yeah. so yours yours got you, you you sort of because you left like quite early as well you didn't actually uh, so usually what would happen for most people the context isn't quite doesn't doesn't uh, activate the trauma but then when you see it like later on into the experience when you have a more understanding of equanimity which means equanimity is a word that means not pushing away something unpleasant and not craving something pleasant it's sort of uh, accepting uh, what is? Well, can I just intervene here and say, right now, all right, guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you back to an episode <laughs> which we released in season one that not everyone got to listen to, but season one of the podcast, it was, I had gone to a three day silent meditation retreat, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it was really positive, really really positive. And I had some insights about equanimity mm-hmm. and about going deep into meditation mm-hmm. that I just want to share with you guys now and then we'll cut back to now. Sure. Thoughts are also not a representation of reality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we, when we ruminate, when we get into these thought loops and cycles, it's kind of like the more we cycle through it, the more it becomes real. And then we, and then it kind of 
changes into being a construct of reality. Mm. So like we give it power by uh, staying with it, by engaging with it, by giving it more energy, the, the thought then become actually powerful enough to have an impact on reality. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so it's like, how do I explain this? Because of course, it's easy to just say, hey, stop having those thoughts. But what I'm trying to get at is you, you as a human being, you do have a choice to not engage with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Just, just so you know that that is an option that you have. Some people might say, okay, well, I don't know how to do that. And then that's when you have meditation, Buddhist philosophy, psychedelics, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I feel like through meditation, I had the courage to engage with my thoughts. Actually, it's counterintuitive, but no, I engaged with my thoughts. So my eyes were closed. I was sitting there. It's like 5.30 a.m. Just med- like trying to meditate, whatever meditate means for, for you. Mm-hmm. And, and a thought would come, an intrusive thought. It's kind of that thing that it just—it's like it's like gum. It sticks to the back of your brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was meditating, and that thought came. Mm-hmm. You know, that thought came, and it was like, okay, like you upset your friend. Like, did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? And, and that's rumination, where you're like, you're second guessing yourself, you're second guessing everything around you. Mm-hmm. You fall into this rumination pattern, like indecision. Indecision, yeah. So this thought came and I, I went with it. I was like, okay, like, I won't push it away. Let, let's, let's engage with it. Mm-hmm. And then the second, it, it got a bit too much to handle. Mm-hmm. So the second where it was actually becoming painful because emotions are involved with this thought. Mm-hmm. The pain of it's losing a charged, your friend. It's a charged It's charged. Thought. Then what you do is... One Go back to the breath. Deep deep breath and then sometimes I even slightly open my eyes mm-hmm. just like a little bit and there's there's candles around the room and I'll come back to the present mm-hmm. and then I close my eyes again another thought would come a deep breath if I ever got too overwhelmed sometimes no you go with the thought and it's interesting you're like okay mm. it's like you're psychoanalyzing yourself kind of mm. but if it gets overwhelming again a breath mm-hmm. so the whole point was that the thoughts are just thoughts. It's kind of like, like maybe you can come with come up with a good example for this, like a good analogy. But it's like, it's kind of like the thing that comes to my mind is when it's raining outside, when it's when it's dripping, very slightly. It's not mm-hmm. pouring, slight drips. Mm-hmm. Okay, sprinkle. Yeah, you can, you can still go for a walk, and if you're scared by the drops of rain it can be very, very, very distressing to go for a walk when it's sprinkling. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, the sprinkles just come and they sit on your face and they drop down your they drop down your cheekbones, they go down your neck and it's fine. And, and if you want, you open an umbrella and it no longer bothers you. But it's like, I've gained this passive perspective to thoughts. All right, so now, now we're back, all right? And... and I just wanted to mention that that was really interesting because I literally did the same, not the same exactly, but it was a similar style of meditation. And if if I had only listened to my own advice, which back then my own advice was the thoughts are just thoughts mm-hmm. and they don't define who you are and you don't need to engage with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like we are just conscious 
mm-hmm. our consciousness is just observing these thoughts coming and going mm-hmm. and they are not us mm-hmm. but when i went through that panicked state i was completely drowning by those thoughts yeah like it was extreme. they sucked you in, in there was like a vortex of thoughts and you got sucked right in exactly exactly and i'm just saying that it's it's crazy how, when you can hold your ground and not get sucked in it can be such a beautiful thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it can be such a beautiful thing mm-hmm. but it's a very fine line between like if you get sucked in you're fucked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well let me let me add on to that a little bit so having had done vipassana a few times me, myself um there's been points that I've gotten sucked in too. But what I've learned is when you get sucked, and, and it's not just about the past it. You can get sucked into a vortex of thoughts at any way, any time in your life. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can could, you give like an example, like a real life example? Yeah, a real life example for me, if I have uh, attraction towards someone mm-hmm. and I haven't voiced it so I really like this person, but I haven't made them know that I like them. Yeah. I get into a vortex in my head because I'm like, uh, should I do it? Should I not do it? When to do it? How to do it? Uh, it's just continuous. It's a mm. big fucking vortex of thought in my Like that's one of the things that just takes me out of the present moment into my head. I'm no longer experiencing the present moment. I'm just in my head trying to like... Um, come up with my what to do next mm. and I get I, I drown in those thoughts until I yeah. come out and say okay boom I'm doing it and then I go and do it wait can I just say what's interesting is exactly what you described that, that's what I went through on the last day that I was at the retreat mm-hmm. where I was stuck like do I stay do I go do I stay do I go do I stay do I go and it was just a vicious vortex mm-hmm. of me fighting with my internal voice. And what you just described is until you put your foot down and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the time, my experience has been exactly like that. Where eventually, I make the decision that I think is best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what happened to me this time that I had never really experienced before is... I lost. Like I lost that internal, lost. I lost that internal battle, uh-huh. where the the voice, the ang- the anxious voice. What, what were the sides of this battle? Well, the sides was one, which was the the anxiety or the yeah. trauma or the whatever whatever you want to call it, which okay. was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like this is, like you're gonna die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like your mind is being melted by acid. Like. Mm-hmm. If you stay any longer, when you leave, you're going to like not be able to talk for like two months. Yeah. So like fear, anxiety, dread, distress, exactly. dread, and yeah. very powerful sensations. Yeah. Very powerful sensations. And uh, was there a physical sensation accompanied by this or was this mostly mental? No, no, definitely physical. You know, with the, with the thing, something being stuck in your throat. You know, mm-hmm. with the shortness of breath, like, like it's, it's like I couldn't remember the last time I actually got a good gulp of breath. You know, mm-hmm. so you just like, like you just constantly feel like you just need more oxygen, but you just don't have enough. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then the opposing side was was me. Mm-hmm. Or, or and the, what, and what, what, what did the opposing side say? Well, the opposing so this side was saying, get the fuck out. Yeah, and, and the opposing side. side was like, no, this is good for you. The opposing side was like, don't push away the discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, the equanimity. The equanimity, like sit with it, be curious about mm-hmm. it. what is it trying to tell you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're safe. You know, not, nothing. Not, there's no real danger here. You're an adult. You know, time will pass. It's uncomfortable now, but eventually you'll go back to your home. You know, and you'll be surrounded by your friends and it's okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's these two opposing thoughts. Yeah. But eventually, it's like I'm, I, I folded my hand. Yeah. They get the fuck outside. Was just took over 100%. Overpowered the other side. And the noise of the side that was like, it's okay, just died down. Yeah. And then and then it was like full fucking panic mode. Mm-hmm. Then it was, it was full like the end of the world. Uh-huh. Like that, that voice that was reasonable and responsible just left, just gone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know. It's fascinating. So it was this like the first time that uh, you've had this internal conflict and you lost? First time in my adult life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, first time in my adult life. Um, and it was extremely humbling, but it was scary yeah. because it's... Like you could say, in a way, it was ego death. Like not in the not in the traditional sense, uh-huh, but uh-huh. in the sense of more in like a, in a, an emphatic way, where like emphatic way, what emphatic as like dramatic, as in like the the self which I associated with strongly mm-hmm. was defeated in battle. Ah, oh, I see what you, you mean. You know, it was yeah. very like 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 just being stabbed in your heart and then just like falling down. So it's like, it's like your power was taken almost. Exactly. And, yeah. and I had never, like there's been points when like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, when you're tempted by something, uh-huh. you know, you do something you don't, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to do. You have moments of weakness. Yes, of course. But it had never been annihilated. Like a complete defeat. Yeah. Like to yeah. that extent. Because um, I was always a big believer of like mind over matter. Like, mm-hmm. My mind was my tool. It was my greatest asset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in that moment, my greatest asset was disintegrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think um, it sounds like your your mind mind is a tool, right? Mm. And um, so sometimes we use our mind to do what we need to do, mm-hmm. but at times the mind can use us. If you're not... The uh, mind can use us. What do you mean? Like, um... Like, in those cases that you said, for example, when you go and do something that you really know you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. In those cases, why why did you do it? Because your mind told you to do it. There's a there's a push or the desire to push you to do it, and you you whoever you are knew you shouldn't do it, but you lost mm. that battle and you did but it. I, so I think in some cases, um, if you're not careful, at least for me, it can switch. Mm. Yeah, no, but I, I don't know if I would say the same word like the mind uses you, but I just think that. I see it more as you're overwhelmed by some 
physiological power or some physiological drive, whether it's, you know, craving for something, whether it's wanting to avoid something really deeply, whether it's feeling... But isn't isn't the place where those are born in your mind? Yeah, yeah, I guess what your definition... It depends how you define the confines of the mind, but yeah. Yeah. Like, Like craving originates from your mind. Does it not? I guess it originates, but then there's a feedback loop between your hormones. Yeah, but but like even even your hormones, you know the the gland. Most 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 your hormones is produced from your brain. Like yeah. your brain is the structure that produces most of that. Yeah. Right. Like most yeah. of it. There, there's some other no, no, parts but, as well. Yeah. But the generally ones, speaking, yeah. The ones that are actually specifically relevant to the things that you talked about, like craving. Is mostly like your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Your brain, your actual physical brain structure. Mm. So it is your mind that's creating that thing. Yeah, so I think it depends, once again, how you define mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like to me, mind, when I say mind, I mean more consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying mind is where you're conscious about something, whereas I feel like craving is sometimes you're not even conscious of it. Like you walk into a bar and then your mouth starts to salivate and then your consciousness is like, oh, I must be craving a beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I'm, I, so I'm saying sometimes our biology is stronger than our willpower. I think that's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's not a it's not important. It, it's semantics. Yeah, semantics. it's all semantics. Yeah, like, like we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Using exactly. different words. Um, so anyway, so I think that was extremely, extremely eye opening mm-hmm. and humbling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm actually, to be honest, I'm a bit surprised that. Uh, what day did you leave? Second day or third day? I uh, left in the morning of the third day. Yeah, I'm actually pretty surprised they let you go like easily enough. Yeah. Like, usually they 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 like when you if there's been people that sort of felt like oh um, this is not for me I'm irritated agitated. And they go talk to the teacher because I've volunteered in the kitchen a few times. I've talked to teachers a fair bit. Usually the teachers would say, just stay with it for another day. See how you go. It might get better. And um, especially day three, because on day four, you start a new technique of meditation. So the first three days, you do anapana, which is the breath awareness. Mm. And you're focusing on your breathing. But day four, you change it to body scan. And I personally have found the Anapana is extremely difficult for me because it just gets boring. Mm. But the body scan doesn't get boring because there's always like something happening. It's mm. just interesting. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, I've got heat here and I've got this. And it's a bit more dynamic. Mm. Whereas the breathing one is less dynamic, but it's essential because that's what sharpens your focus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm still glad they let me go. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I genuinely think... Like, you were at capacity. I, I was beyond capacity. I was you were, you were way beyond capacity. capacity. Like, yeah. it, was, it got to the stage where it just... It, I personally think damage was just being done. Mm-hmm. Like, and look, there is something to be said for what you're saying right now. I read a book called Trauma-Informed 
performed mindfulness if i recall correctly mm-hmm. um it was written by um some phd guy who is also avid meditator and um he talks about this concept of window of tolerance yeah so uh there is a window where you can tolerate what is going on uh like when a trauma is activated or when those um vortex of thoughts is going on there is a certain amount of it where you can um still stay grounded and stay present and sit with those and be with those um but if you go beyond that window it can become traumatizing itself mm. so it's a it's and it's one of one legit criticism of the pasana for sure because there's less of a a facilitator less of a someone holding space mm-hmm. um because like the the point of me reading that book was because I I, I like to run workshops and stuff I wanted to be trauma informed and like he was talking about like there's certain symptoms and actually you mentioned some of the symptoms like the shortness of the breath the the very sweating mm-hmm. yeah sweating shortness of breath and there was some symptoms he said if you are a facilitator of meditation and you notice someone is having these symptoms you go to them and you get them to ground you get them to go up for a mm, walk exactly you, you exactly sort of, you bring them back down into the window because those symptoms indicate they are either at the edge or beyond the edge mm-hmm. and uh that's not where the growth and healing happens the growth and healing happens when you are in that window of tolerance where you are able to tolerate the discomforts the the vortex whatever it is that you experience you can still tolerate it you can be present with it you can notice it you can observe it like you were saying about what you learned in the other meditation exactly uh, yeah. where you were seeing things thoughts as just thoughts yeah exactly um that window is where healing and uh, effective things happen outside of that can be told so that's 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 fair but then so would you like to share a little bit more about like um yes yeah, so after you left and you were sort of distressed how did you turn that around because just then you said um overall it's been that positive now yeah yeah okay it's interesting so there's something missing there yeah yeah well the first thing i just want to mention is i just want to comment on what you described Mm-hmm. Um I think a, a similar a similar exercise. Mm-hmm. So I just want to share maybe I, I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, but this was like a, maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I was with my therapist and and I go to therapy with the intention of pulling things out from under the rug. Mm-hmm. like I'm actively trying to resolve things that aren't really impacting me right now but and they are always impacting well, no but but it's not like distressing not, me right now it's not uh noticeably impacting exactly. you like you're not aware that it's impacting you but it is always impacting you what are, what are the unconscious shit you got going on is 100% driving your dis- like 
Why do you think someone has a desire to have um, a cake and someone has a desire to have a carrot? Like naturally, they they, they have just different desires come out. It's all it's all sort of. Yeah, I, I, I agree. No, I agree. But the reason I wanted to mention this is I was, you know, I was um, doing some mind, a mindfulness mindfulness practice mm-hmm, with the therapist, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the exact details, but it was very much like meditating, becoming aware of my surroundings, doing a body scan, mm-hmm. focusing on my breath. Mm-hmm. And then we address some issues. I don't remember what it was exactly. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, I started to dissociate, uh-huh. which was so fucking random. Like, it was... When you're saying dissociate, can you tell me okay, okay. what's your experience of dissociate? Okay. That means so my experience of dissociation was slowly, my, like, my body started to feel numb. Mm. And then I opened my eyes... And I completely felt like I couldn't feel my arms and my legs. Mm, like so they were kind of like disconnected, almost completely like disconnected. The 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 whatever, whatever um, communication between your brain and body goes up, going like whatever connects that was just disconnected. Exactly, and and the yeah. thing is, also like my I feel like there's like a lightheadedness as well. Like mm. a lightheadedness, like I was kind of about to faint, like dizzy. dizziness. Yeah, but I managed to keep with the practice. Like mm-hmm. I didn't panic. Mm-hmm. I didn't panic at all. I was just curious because you had the support. Exactly. The I was just curious. I was like, ah, oh, this is interesting. Like, I can't feel my arms, and she's like, okay. Like, are you happy to keep continuing? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And she's like, okay. Like, what else do you feel in your body? So I, I explored that, that that like fight or flight high cortisol sensation that dissociation with yeah. deep curiosity uh-huh. and with constantly having someone check in with me like do you feel Are safe? You're fine, yeah. Do you want to keep going? Support, yeah. You know? And then eventually I was like, actually, like, this is a bit scary. So then she came and she's like started to like push against my hands mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she gave me some books to hold mm-hmm. just to feel some physical, weight. Physical again. ground. This is this is how you ground exactly. And then. Like she put her feet on my feet and started like pushing against it. And then slowly, 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 I came back into myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that, that was really cool. Like it was like a one hour therapy session. I felt like I'd gone on a journey. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's like I did the surgery and then I got stitched back up. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and lived my life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, that was a cool experience. Mm-hmm. And that is how you do a trauma, in my opinion. Because I think the thing with Vipassana was... You're as alone as you were when you were traumatized in the first place. Mm. And the feeling of being alone is not a nice feeling, mm. especially mm. when it's associated with traumas. Mm. And, th- and that's what I mean. Like, so the, the thing is, going back to what I was trying to say before with equanimity, um, usually the context itself is not a trigger for people. Mm. So they don't get... The, the, this this feeling of triggers doesn't happen that early. If yeah, it happens, yeah. it happens on day five or day six. Day six is a big one. Usually, mm. if people live, they live on day six. Mm. Um, but by then, so you when you, when those traumas or whatever becomes activated, you also have cultivated that ability of equanimity. Mm. So in a way, you are holding your own hand. Mm. when it happens but because the context itself was triggering for you you sort of uh, 
you were already under pressure before you were able to cultivate equanimity. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it kind of like happened too quick for you. Mm. So you're like, oh, fuck, I'm like drowning already. Like you didn't have swimming lessons and you've gone to the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all right. If you don't have swimming lessons, you can go to the pool. Pool is chill. Like if you, especially if you can stand. Yeah, yeah. You can just stand and pull and play. But if you go to the ocean... It's a different different thing, right? You want to know at least a little bit swimming before you go to the ocean. No, yeah, I think that's a great that's, analogy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what analogy. it seems like. Um, but back to your question of... What, was what did you do in between uh, from Vipassana? Because Vipassana seems like it brought up a lot of things and you were left uh, sort of distressed. Uh, but you have now come to a place where you're like, actually, uh, now it was a good thing. Yeah, so okay. Integrated okay. some things from it to for it to become a good thing. So like, okay, okay. So the first thing I would say is spending times with friends, mm-hmm. like 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 reconnecting deeply and not leaving myself to linger in that feeling of aloneness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So getting social support, ASAP, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That really helped. Um, talking about it talking about it really helped and I know it like it's not always possible for people but that really helped for me mm-hmm. um, I'm just gonna the only thing I'm gonna say is alternative medicine <laughs> <laughs> and if people are interested you can message me I'll tell you what alternative medicine I use <laughs> um, alternative medicine really helped and I think that's it just time I, I think just through time and the hardest part was rebuilding trust with myself mm-hmm. because right after this experience, I felt really disconnected with myself. Like I felt like, as I said, my ident- like my inner voice was shattered. Yeah, lost. Lost. Defeated. Defeated, exactly. So I think re- re-finding that. So I think mm-hmm. that's when the resilience comes in and that's mm-hmm. when there was nothing that I did, but it's like all of the skills that i had built over the years yeah for being resilient they mm-hmm. came in handy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of the skills of you know i've been to places where i feel lost yeah and i have come back from them and i think that's the definition of resilience where bouncing back from challenges yeah being completely fucked is not an unfamiliar feeling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you always know that even though this was probably one of the most challenging times, like I didn't know how I would integrate back into life. Mm-hmm. But I think deep down there is this power that you'll make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and when you surround yourself with the right people, they help you make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, honestly, hats off to my friends, friends and family. Like I couldn't have done this on my own. If I was yeah. on my own, I'd be fucked. Yeah. Like I would be so fucked. And, and that's the scary thing with mental health, man. A lot of the people who tend to suffer the most, it's when they're disconnected. Yeah. And like, look, I remember back when there was COVID happening, COVID lockdowns and stuff, and I was at Lifeline. You have no idea how many times someone called and their friends and family had different ideologies around the whole covid thing Mm. and so they were like you know imagine imagine in your family and friends everyone is 
pro-vax or Yvonne is anti-vax and you're the other one. Mm. So, and a lot of people couldn't see past this minor difference. They couldn't see past this and see the humanity and the connection that they have. Like this was like this thing, I was just blocking the connection. Mm. And I was getting so many people calling. They were like, this is my first time calling Loveline. I usually like have such good support system. My life is like, like when challenges happen, I've got my support, I've got my friends, I've got my family, but they don't speak to me now. And I've got no one. Yeah, wow. And wow. and that's why I'm calling Lifeline because I lost all my support. Yeah, so when you were talking about that, Shit. it just reminded me of that. Shit. No, it's intense. And, and yeah, I think that's the probably the biggest What's, what's the word? Uh, preventative measure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. against things like depression. Mental health challenges. Mental health challenges is a strong social network mm. and not just someone who's extroverted. I think with the backbone of vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah. Proper connection. Proper connection where, yeah, I could go up to people and say, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are you feeling? I'm fucked. Yeah, <laughs> I it's have... not. It's not the sort of uh, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> no, 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 not even. <laughs> but, yeah. Not even that though. But it's the idea of bro. My ego took a battering. Yeah. You know, before I told all my friends like, yeah, I'm going to this ten day retreat, blah blah, mm-hmm. and to come back and say I couldn't do it. Yeah. Like I failed. Yeah. And to have enough faith and trust in my friends that they weren't gonna judge you judge me or ridicule me to just be like man I just need you to hold my hand yeah and like be supportive and give you the support you needed in that tenderness yeah yeah so I, I just think yeah super grateful to those people and yeah it's just it's a reminder for those who are listening to just you never know when life's gonna fuck you <laughs> so just make sure you got strong connections and friendships and you know Going off uh, tangents from uh, this this topic, yeah. Uh, when you brought up authenticity and vulnerability, let's go into my my thing now. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I was away for three weeks in the Northern Rivers, which is about just just south Wait, of Byron. Hippie fucking festival. No hippie what? Hippie community gathering. It's it's called Rainbow Gathering. And, and it's uh, not LGBT. No, it, this existed before that. Oh, this is they they stole this it. This is from like the 1950s. Whoa, the, what do you mean existed, bro? There are gay people from the beginning no, of the, the rainbow being associated with oh, is that LGBTQ. New? It, it, it's 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 a modern thing. It's, it's more of a modern thing. Oh wow! And it's someone to fact check that. Get back to it. Well, I think I think this is the case. I could be wrong. I have no this. idea. But anyways, it has nothing to do with right, everything was black and white. Before they they are that. they are inclusive. Like you you can be whatever you want to be. Ah, okay, but okay. it's not. So uh, we're not going to cancel them. It's not specifically related to okay, them nice. at all. Okay, okay. Sorry. Continue. Um. So, I, f- I felt like I've, I needed to go there. I didn't know why, and I didn't know what it was going to be about, really. I just knew it's like some hippies coming together. Bro, you always say this shit, but it never makes sense to me. I f- like Just listen it? to that sentence. I felt like I needed to be there, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. There was a curiosity to go and explore, but I don't know what I'm exploring yet. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Like, like you, you might feel like, oh, I want to go to Spain. I want to go traveling. You don't know what you're going to do there. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You don't know what's there. 
but there's a curiosity that's no, the, pushing you to that. Element so that should of, make sense. No, no, okay, 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 I get that. Yeah, okay. So I go, I go to Rainbow Gathering, and it's a really interesting place. A lot of shit happens. Is there there nudity for me. There is nudity. There's nice. a lot of nudity. Yeah, but um, <laughs> like so, first thing I noticed is like how addicted I am to time and to the fight I have with time. Okay, elaborate. So. You know, me, me and you, we always talk about how we're living the fast lane, you know? Yeah. We say yes to a lot of things, yeah. and then our days are filled with awesome, cool shit. Yeah. And it's good. I love it. But we're also fighting time all the time. Yeah. Like, like it's like a you constant war with the time. Like, you're trying to check your time, see, or, uh, like... Just before we started this podcast, we checked the time to see what time we're going to finish this to make it to Jackson's house and maybe from Jackson's house going to city for the thing. So yeah. it's like, is it, there's a there's an awareness of, hey, time is ticking. Once this is finished, I've got to make it to that next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And it just keeps going. There's, there's no stopping. I haven't stopped in a fucking long time. I don't know about you, mm. but I haven't stopped for a long time. No, no, yeah, I've you. been going full full speed ahead. But, but what do you mean you're addicted to the battle? Yeah, so what I mean Interesting is like... Interesting way of putting it. Yeah, it's like when I was there and I didn't even know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. My phone was in my car, locked away, half an hour away. And I was just waking up when I naturally fake, wake up or when I hear the call food circle um and then get up there's completely no awareness of time and you're just going around doing your things and there was initially there was this like this like agitation inside me like oh you're not doing you're not doing much go you should be you should be doing things you shouldn't waste time Mm. that's what i meant by that addiction there was this like it's like, you know, if you've been a smoker or if you've done any substances or whatever, coffee drinker, anything, then you have a, a addiction with it. If you stop, you're going to feel agitated on some level. That kind of agitation came up for me when mm-hmm. I wasn't being productive, quote unquote productive, you know? So I noticed it. I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then within... A week. So it took a week for me to get to this place where I was okay. I was at peace with time. I fully relaxed and I was just like in it now. Like I'm like, I don't even... Like initially I kept wanting to know what time it is. But then at that point that desire to know what time it is was gone. I didn't even know what day it was and I was completely fine with it. And that was a really cool experience. That sounds me. difficult. I don't think I'd be able to do that. Like, it's challenging. It was challenging in, in, in that way, but it got to a really cool place. I was loving it. Mm. Loving not knowing, not not needing to know time. But okay, okay, can we just take a step back? Like, do you... Like, it sounds like the way you've described being addicted to the battle against time. Uh-huh. You describe that with a negative connotation. It is because it's stressful. It, like, okay, I've noticed. I got back yesterday, 
I'm like looking in my room. My room is messy. I need to clean it. I need to like sort shit out. Yeah. And I've just brought all the stuff that I took camping. A lot of it is dirty. A lot of it is wet. I need to wash them. I need to dry them. Um, put them back in their place. Yeah. And and I've got so many things. Just suddenly my calendar is full. And it's full of things I love to do. Like, for example, today, I spent time with you, later go see Jackson, Michael, whatever, like my good friends, right? And mm. tomorrow I'm doing a job that I really love, this cool thing, and nice. then seeing my friend. It's all lovely stuff, but there's just a lot of them. Mm. And it creates some busyness. And there's, with busyness comes stress and tension. Okay, okay. okay. That's why I put it in negative like i love it but it has a side effect no so this is the thing what i was going to say is the alternative to that is what so i've been thinking i i don't quite know if i'm willing to do it the alternative would be to do less to say less to a few things so instead of, for example, packing in today, so today I packed it and we had like breakfast, the sauna and catching up with Jackson and potentially later on going to city. That's a whole day, right? So maybe, maybe take, take out two things and you only do two things, but then when you only have two things to do, then you can do them with a sense of relaxation. You, you don't need to rush from A to B to C to D because you're only going from A to B. Um, that's the alternative, but yeah. I don't think I'm going to do it. Not yet. Anyway, I feel like, I yeah, feel like life is too precious Exactly. to like time is limited. We have been blessed with the gift of life. Exactly. And I want to experience as much of it as I can, but I think there is a place for this slowing down as well. Um, I think what, how I'm going to take this forward is I'll probably keep my busy life still, but every now and then I'm just going to block two days, two days of like in my calendar, I'm just going to write a slow down and I'm going to block two days, just two days of just me having no plans. And I have a plan. The plan is to slow down on those Mm. two days to sort of just at least tip the scales a little bit more into a balance at the moment, because at the moment it's just like 100, zero. Make it at least 20, 80. Hmm. No, I like that. But the only reason I challenged what you said is because to me, mm-hmm. it, I don't see it as a negative thing. I, I see it as you're living in accordance with your values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe for someone else, the slow life, that is more in accordance with their values. Maybe their values is, you know, smell the flowers. But enjoyment and relaxation, those are things I value too. But to me, it sounds like enjoyment is a value, but relaxation is not up there in your top five values. They're more, more important than relaxation is, you know, connection. I don't know, ecstasy. It is. Like, it is. So to it me, is. it just sounds like you're living in accordance with your values. Yeah. There is a price, but... That you, There's a price I'm paying. That's yeah, but, yeah, but you love to live but, with your values. But, but it's good to become aware of this price because yeah. I wasn't even aware of this price. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, like, if you're not aware of it, if, if you come to a shop 
and you're buying stuff you like you, you look at this phone you're like i like this phone and you just buy it you don't know how much it is mm. it's not good to buy stuff without knowing how much it is because if you know how much it is you might buy less or you might buy more no no yeah no i, th- I think that's great and also a couple of things i just want to say a couple of ideas mm. i i have the perspective to see everything as though it's an addiction uh-huh yeah or everything as though it's a drug uh-huh and first thing is, you know, something that all, not all, but lots of regular drug users do is they'll purposefully go off the drug for about three weeks, uh-huh. knowing that when they use it again, it's going to feel better. Yeah. To kill the tolerance. Yeah. But, but, it, but it's not because they're trying to be healthier. It's just because they want to feel more pleasure again. Yeah. yeah. So I'm saying for you, you can have the same perspective as to like, Creating those two days of nothingness, it's it's breaking the addiction chain mm. where you're having more maximal mm. experience. And I was actually quite in, last night. I was like, I bought my plane ticket to Bali, um, made the workshop for this authentic relating thing I'm doing. I did I did heaps of things. I was just like doing in, in doing mode, just doing this, doing that, doing this, doing yeah. that. And I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I loved it so much that my mind was going so fast that I couldn't fall asleep. Mm. No, I get that. I get that. Um, and, and the only other thing is, so right now... So that's a good idea. I think, I think the addiction. It, 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 it ties into what I'm already planning to do, to yeah. have those like intentional slow days in my calendar. It's like slow day. Slow day means slow day. It means slow day. And I'm just going to intentionally implant those in my calendar. And what does your tattoo say? My tattoo says everything good is hard to get. And you know what else I'm going to add? Yeah. Too much of a good thing is bad. Mm, I do agree with that. Whoa, tattoo number two on your left arm. No, actually, so it's funny. We've got a tangent now, but that's fine. So... I only got this tattoo when the lesson expired. Oh. So... I thought you got it because a pretty girl said get it. <laughs> <laughs> she encouraged me to... Because to, ah, I, said, I, said, I, said, I said, I want to get a tattoo. It's like, why not now? Like, that's it. You got a point. <laughs> that's it, you know, but yeah. That's, but, God bless her. <laughs> yes, I am very happy to have had it. But anyways, so... I only got this tattoo when the lesson expired. So, you know, I, I talked about the ditch experience before in yeah. one of the episodes. And when you are in a ditch, and that's not, not, I'm not talking about the physical ditch that I'm talking, I was talking about. I'm more talking about the metaphorical ditch of yeah. being so down in the depths of um, suffering, less, no hope, yeah. shit's, shit's hopeless, right? Yeah. When you are there, Everything is hard to get. Every good thing that you get at from that place is going to be difficult. If you're obese, becoming fit is difficult. Mm. Uh, if you have all these unhealthy habits, changing them around is going to be difficult. But now I'm in a, in a, I'm not in a ditch anymore. I'm probably on a mountain, like not not even flat surface on a mountain. Nice. And on a mountain, shit just comes easily. So, if I was gonna write, if I was, if I was gonna get another tattoo, it would be like, um, "Blessings flow to me." I don't know. <laughs> guys, Master's gonna come back from Bali, and he's gonna say he's the next prophet of God. I mean, 
the prophets did go into darkness That's before they became prophets. That's so it. who knows? And you know what I'm going to do? You're going to be my... Um, spread my... Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, opposite. You know, you know I'm going to be like Judas. <laughs> I'll straight up be Judas. I'll be like the Antichrist. I'll be like... I'll start a cult against your cult. I'll be like, Master's an imposter. He's not that good anyway. <laughs> Don't follow him. <laughs> I'll just have to convince you and then I get all your followers oh <laughs> easy <laughs> let's do it let's do it I'm excited but anyway but anyways we get distracted so let me go back to Rainbow Gathering oh, and talk a, li- a few more things about it yeah, yeah let's go so uh, one thing that was really cool is before every meal everyone comes and you 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 hold you make a circle of people standing and holding hands and you just start singing and it just gets you in such a vibe, like singing like happy hippie songs with a bunch of other people. Cult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> we've had the cult we've conversation the already, so I, I, I don't feel like it would be um, interesting to no, have I'm just, it again. I'm just being annoying. Continue. But, but look. There is some cult vibes in just about everything. And there is some cult vibes. But, like, it's actually amazing what's happening there. Like, think about this. So, you go there, you set up, and there's no, uh, you don't have to pay any money to go in or whatever. And it was on a private property. So, someone allowed us to use their property for this gathering. And, you know, people have brought so much stuff to help make this happen like big uh big pots to cook food for 200 people Shit. massive tarps to set up a space like in for the kitchen and like a chill out space to keep the rain out and the sun out and um and like there's all these things that need to be done like like someone needs to focalize uh, vocal, me someone's gonna put their hand on like I'll make dinner. Who wants to help me? If no one does that, there's no dinner to eat because someone needs to do it. Mm. So there's a, there's an initiative, like there's a opportunity for people to take initiative and, um, and also like contribute in whatever ways. And yeah. And like, like the food comes from, so they, they have this thing, uh, the hat at the end of each meal, they go around the circle and you can uh, put money in if you, if you want and there's no expectation or pressure they just go around singing a song like magic hat magic hat put some love in the magic hat <laughs> and there's someone playing guitar and there's like people dancing and they go around the circle with a hat <laughs> but that song is actually stuck in my head I love it <laughs> hey it sounds like it's from uh, smelly cat from friends have you seen friends uh, not really. Uh, I'll, show, I'll show it to you after. But yeah. that's pretty funny though. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And then that money gets used to like buy the food. To build the temples and fund the corrupt priests. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> Very good. Uh, what else? Yeah, so that, that's like the logistics of it. But... There were so many cool things I learned when I was there. So, like, for example, one of them was the first few days, I contributed a lot. Like, I was 
constantly going to 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 bring wood for the fires. Um, there was a spring somewhere where you go and bring spring water for the kitchen. So someone needs to be doing that. So the kitchen has water for the cooking and things like yeah. that. And uh, like helping with setting up the tarps and things like that. So I was doing a lot the first few days. And then I noticed one day I was walking by and a brother was like lying down. A brother? It's a family. It's a family. Oh, it's, no. a, it's, it's a family. Ah, he's called brother. It's a family, bro. It's a family. It's, it's, they just call it a family. It's a, it's a okay. rainbow family. And then what if the dad comes and touches you inappropriately? There's, there's no dads here. It's just ah. brothers and sisters. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's just the siblings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm not going to go there. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so brother was lying down. Brother was lying down so, uh, under under a shade of a tree, in reading reading a book, enjoying his time. He looked like he was having a great time, nice. and I was carrying some like wood for the fire under the heat, and the sun was burning me. And I, in that moment, I felt some resist, uh, resentment inside me, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Ooh, I don't want to be. This is not a feeling that." aligns with me I do not like to feel resentful ever and um, so I'm like I put down the wood and I go and meditate and journal and reflect and like why am I feeling resentful because I don't experience resentment much at all mm. and when I do I take it very seriously because it's like a poison if you don't cut it off it grows and fosters and it, it just becomes this messy thing that just ruins lives in my opinion especially if you have it towards like people in your life mm-hmm. those relationships whatever kind of relationships they might be will not flourish you well, know you were talking about having having good support social yeah. like authentic support you cannot have authentic vulnerable support friendships or relationships if you have a resentment towards the person so do you believe in healthy conflict oh yeah yeah that's that's why you that's what that's how you deal with the resentment you bring it up and you're like hey. fuck you master <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you you already proposed the breakup so you reflected on the resentment yes yeah, so i reflected on the resentment and i understood that i was giving too much of my energy and effort and time into this more than my capacity so i dialed it back down to less but then when I was giving, I was giving with a smile. I was giving with an open heart and a good vibes, good feelings. And that was such a good lesson to learn in life. Give, but only if you're giving only if you're willing is to true. Give. If you're giving unconditionally, if you're giving because you, you are so full of love that you mm. want to give. Don't give because any other reason. No, I like it. I that like was it. a that was a that was a big lesson for me. Yeah. And I kept practicing that lesson throughout the twenty one days that I was there. Mm. Which is a long long time. It's a long time, yeah. It's a long time. And the thing as well is you don't you you know how I spent about usually I think last time I checked before going to Rainbow, I was probably on my phone about two and a half hours a day. On your phone? On my phone. Yeah. So Two and a half hours a day times that by 20, that's about 40, 50, 
50, 50, 40, whatever, 40 something hours, right? That's yeah. a lot of hours of distraction. And, you know, like the psychology research, whatever, tells us like if you get distracted, it takes about 20 minutes to to get undistracted. Yeah. Like, like if you're working on something or if you're like thinking or meditating or whatever, like, and then your phone dings, it takes about 20 minutes to get back. So if you can, if you add that into the two hours of phone use daily, that means like you're distracted like half the day. Mm-hmm. And because you're so distracted and you're so busy, time goes quick and you don't go deep in what is happening for you in each moment because you don't have the time. Because like, like, like if you're, you remember one time you said, I don't have time to be sad. Yeah. You remember? Yeah, I do. So it's like, but in there you have time to feel everything that is happening in each moment. Wait, can I just clarify? I think something that me and Maz have both agreed on is a a, a happy life. A well-lived life is a life where you experience all of the different flavors and shades of living. Mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. of the extremities, the boundaries, the borders, the the the, the, the emotional wheel. You know the wheel of emotion. Have you have you seen it? Ah, uh, maybe. There's a thing. Look it up. A wheel yeah. of emotion, and there's like maybe fifty or something in there. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. But just to, to feel it, you know, and to, there's to an, experience it. To experience everything that can be experienced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's for us, at least. That's, yeah. That's the conclusion we've come to. Someone else can have a different way. And I think what you're getting at is constant distraction and stuff. Takes you away from that. Takes you away from that. It does. It does. It does. So it's great that you went to this thing and you felt reconnected with your purpose. Yeah. And and because you have such a... uh, I got really reflective towards Mm. the last week and a half. For that long. I was reflecting a lot, man. I was Mm. reflecting a lot on so many different things and I learned a lot of things. Probably the the one that's going to have the most impact in my life is I learned and practiced it to not take things personally. Mm. So like, you know, sometimes a situation would happen um where for example someone might come and say um hey can i chat to you and the vibe is that they want emotional support in that moment from Mm me but in that moment i was doing something and that thing couldn't be postponed so i said sorry i can't do it right now i really wanted to so i had nothing there was nothing personal there i actually would have loved to to give that support but in that moment, I couldn't. And um, so it was a non-personal thing. I was like, ah. Oh. So, and sometimes I'm on the other end of that exchange where someone says something or does something that can be perceived as personal if you choose to. But later on, I, I realized that it actually wasn't personal. Mm. but like like i didn't even like yeah so that sort of example happened a lot of times on both ends where i did something to someone that could be perceived as personal and it definitely wasn't or someone did something to me that i could have perceived as personal 
and then later on I found out it wasn't. But you're making an assumption that nothing is ever personal. What if so? I'm not making an assumption that nothing is ever personal. I'm saying, and and the thing is, so when you take something personally, what impact does it have? Yeah, it fragments the relationship. And 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 for your own emotional experience uh, and quality of life, quality of experience, shit. feels shit, right? Yeah. And is there any benefit? Uh, I guess you're you're trying to reevaluate your reliance on that person or your relationship. So it's like evidence against being reliant on that person, being close with that person. So you're trying to protect yourself. So you're like, "Fuck, this person's not reliable. Mm-hmm. Next time, I'm not gonna, you know." But that's not necessarily related to being taking things personally, though. Like, okay, so for example, if I'm always late, like, which I'm not, but if I am but, always but I late, I could take it personally. I just say, "Oh, master doesn't respect me." Mm-hmm. No, that's a good example. Yeah, where maybe you don't respect me, but maybe I'm just a, a ADHD person with whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. And no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go with the conclusion so, that most of the time things aren't personal. So the the thing is. Um, most of the time it's not personal and even when it is probably it's net positive in quality of experience and life for me to to go with it's not personal yeah no yeah um, like even even if if it actually is which really 99% of the times it isn't everyone's so involved with themselves too yeah that's it so that, yeah. that that was another thing I'm like there's so much happening in our heads yeah I know we don't have room to to, to be personally attacking yeah. someone else yeah not many people have that much capacity <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, a, I'm busy you're busy <laughs> most, people, most people yeah ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> <laughs> bro he just solved like all of the world's problems <laughs> Um, yeah, that was a good lesson. Sure. And that's what I mean. There was a lot of like, when, when you go into that reflective space, when you're not being distracted, when your attention isn't constantly getting, getting drawn to things and, and you're not thinking about time and worried about time. It, it was so powerful to just mm-hmm. be in that deep reflective space and just nice. like, yeah. It was also nice to be in nature and, away from technology and all that stuff it was a full hippie experience yeah. this is this is the first time i've had a full hippie experience would you live like that forever i don't think I, it's much for me whoa so you're saying you're not a full hippie look living in rainbow permanently i don't think i like that i am a bit driven my drive, like like toward the the last three days, I was starting to get a bit antsy. Yeah, I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna be going back." I got the Zenta Shiatsu training. I got my workshop. I got this. I got this. I got this. Like I was sort of starting to uh, prepare myself for the reemergence of <laughs> Maz into the the, the life. Because I think I, I like to do things. I like to be active. We were talking about this. I no, like to yeah. live life fully, that. and that is a really cool awesome life but i don't want to do it all the time I'll, I'll probably if i can afford it in my time i'll probably do it every year mm. 
and maybe 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 not the whole three weeks maybe two weeks but i'll try and do it every year but i don't think it would be if there was a permanent one which i think there is actually i don't think i could live there permanently it will be a bit like my drive no, don't go. if you go then my need for drive will, will not be met who's gonna stop me from doing stupid shit <laughs> you go. yeah rainbow gathering shit and there's one happening in Tasmania right now, actually. We should go. Get, get, get a plane ticket. Let's go. <laughs> I've got Bali, so... So, guys, literally, Maz is going to become profit. Uh, what, what should we call your holy book? Uh, know thyself. <laughs> <laughs> know thyself, holy book. You know, we're going to publish a copy about July 2024. Um, <laughs> I'll put it on Audible as well. Yeah, you're gonna have to do it now. People are waiting for a copy. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. All right, guys, thank you for listening. We're not gonna. I don't know, we're not gonna have an episode in person for a while. Yeah, so like we've been having a lot of online episodes. Yeah, this is uh, this. Uh, we we this forgot to like mention first proper uh, in person. In person, in person is good, man. In person is very good. Mm. But that's fine. We'll see you next time. Probably not. Maybe we will. Fuck you, Maz. <laughs> Fucking fuck. Let's go. Go do meditation. Go do meditation. I was like, I was like, man, she's not going to sit down. Masturbation. I wasn't empathizing with Hitler. Fucking fuck. Anything you want to do, you can. <laughs> Be a professor. Wink, wink. Clearly, you spent too much time on it. <laughs> <laughs>